Father, it would be completely appropriate for us to do nothing but just stand here and sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, because it is in Jesus that we have new life. It is in Jesus our sin is forgiven. It's in Jesus we have the hope of the resurrection. Father, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you, Spirit, for giving us life in your Word. And now, as we seek to open your Word, would you allow us to see Jesus in it, see ourselves in in it, and, and what it is we are to do as the people of Christ. We thank you for the series, for the way we've been challenged and taught. And now would you allow us to continue as we develop the theme of, of how it is we share better together. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. We, uh, we only have a couple of more weeks. We have this week and next where we're talking about um, how we share better together. And uh, we've talked about the fact that, you know, we, we, we have to first get our stuff right. We can't be, you know, getting mad about our preferences. And then we got to exemplify this grace. And we got to know what we believe, the five solas. We have to realize there's people, you know, looking on. We need to be sensitive to them. And, and all the while realizing that it's the power of the Spirit of God who's going to bring healing and hope. We live in a broken world. I know many of you walk in today with, with broken broken marriages, broken friendships, broken hearts. You have relationships that are under serious strain. All of that is because of, of the sin in the world. And, and Christ has come to overcome that sin, that there might be wholeness, that there might be healing. And God has called us to, to be his hands in the world touching those lives with the hope that we have and helping them understand the, the goodness and the glory of God's grace. Now, we also need to understand that the world has some serious doubts about, about the Christian faith. And, and because of this post-modern, post-truth, post-Christian culture in which we live, we have to be sensitive to the fact that a lot of people have a lot of doubts. And those doubts, in a lot of ways, can be undone if folks can only see the good that comes, the practical, real-life good that comes from a gospel-centered life. Here in Living Hope, one of the things that we seek to do is to be a blessing to our city and to the world. Jeremiah 29, 7 says that, that you who are exiles, you, you need to settle in, you need to understand this is not your home, but while you're here, you are to, to care for the welfare of your city and the world. And that means we, we're supposed to do good. And so we seek to do good as a, as a family of faith, as individual believers. One of the ways we are attempting to do good is to meet a very serious need that exists in our society. And that, that serious need is to care for mothers who are experiencing an unwanted pregnancy. I asked Brandy Moore she would to come up several months ago, just a year and a half ago. We set out a vision to do good, to care for those who are in a difficult place. And we've been looking for uh, an opportunity. We've been looking for where we're supposed to have this center. We've been talking about the leaders we're supposed to have. Brandy has agreed to work under uh, Pastor Bill to come along and provide this interim leadership while we get this off the ground. And so we're about to really pick up the pace on this deal. And so I've asked Brandy to come and share with us a little bit about where we are, where we're going, what we should anticipate. So where are we? Where are we going? What should we? Just a little bit. You know, you got two minutes. Go. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Um, welcome. Thank you, um, church family. In February, we stood before you, and we talked about the need for a Hope Center for Pregnancy. Okay, and during that time, we thought that we had a good plan. But anytime you think that you have a good plan, God has a better plan. And so we were began to look for places where we could purchase to renovate off-site and off-campus. 
and through a lot of prayer and a lot of discussion with the board and between elders, we really feel like that God is asking us and calling us to build the Hope Center for Pregnancy here on Blooming Hope campus. And so with that being said, I know when we talk about buildings, okay, we have a thousand questions that go through our minds. That's okay. I want you to pull out your insert in this yellow box here. In January, we're going to come back before the church with a lot more details about what it looks like for us to build the Pregnancy Center. I specifically want you to look at January the 14th. Okay, this is where we're going to ask the church family to come with all of your questions, and we're going to give you answers. Okay, this date is very important for us and for you because I want you to clearly understand the mission and the vision that we have for the Hope Center for Pregnancy. Also on that sheet, you're going to see some volunteer opportunities. And so I'm going to ask you as a church family to go ahead and begin to pray for where do you fit? Where do you see God calling you? Whether that is to come in to volunteer and serve or to give. Um, those are the two main things that I want you to get today. But here's what I want you to really begin to pray about and understand. I don't want us to look at the Hope Center for Pregnancy as just a building. This is not just a building. This is a ministry. Okay, this is where when you have women who have come to a place of hopelessness and despair because they have gotten pregnant and there is shame and there is guilt that follows along with that, we want to welcome them into the center. We want to share the hope of the gospel with them. We want them to clearly understand that not only does Jesus Christ love them and has died for their sins, but we want them to understand that every good and perfect gift does come from above. And that good and perfect gift it's from a good and perfect creator. And he also has a good and perfect plan for not only their life, but their unborn child as well. So I want you all to prayerfully seek the Lord. Where do you fit? Where can you serve? And church, I would ask you this, that we are all of one mind, one heart, for kingdom ministry and for God's glory in this. Amen. Let's pray for that now. Lord, uh, this is something that the enemy does not want. We expect uh, for him to seek uh, create all kinds of um, challenges, but Lord, we trust you in this. We know this is your will. We pray for Brandy and the board, for Pastor Bill as they're leading us. God, I pray as we begin to unveil your plan as you've shown them and, and as we've agreed that, that we can come together and we can see many lives transformed and many lives that would have been aborted come to life and live with hope and in the joy of the Lord. So do that for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Brandy. And, and again, uh, be praying. Look at that list. Be praying about what good can you do. And, and friends, we got to do some good. It's, it's, it's crucial because people are looking at Christianity the way I did before I became a believer. And this is what they're saying. This is what I said. It's a joke. The, the, the people who were cussing like me and living like me and doing like me, they were going to church and they claimed to be Christians. They were no different than me. And I felt like Mahatma Gandhi, who, who said this about Christians. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. We're living in a world where people are looking at Christianity and going, so? So? You, you have truth claims. Yeah, a lot of people have truth claims. What, what difference does that make? What they want to know, what, what the looking uh, onlooker is, is wondering, what I was wondering, is this real? Does it really matter? See, they've got to see that it works. They've got to know that it's true, that it's real, that, that it will make something happen. You know, and I get it because, you know, that's the way I am with products. I can still remember when text messaging came out. How many of you are old like me and can remember a world without text messaging? See, I remember when I had the flip phone back in that day, and the goal, some of you remember this, was that the phone be as small as humanly possible. Remember that? 
had this little bitty phone that I would open up. And then they wanted me to text message on this, which meant there were sometimes there were three letters to one key. And so I was like, to say hello took 20 minutes, right? And it was annoying. And, and, and then I realized, you know, there's a faster way to do this. And then we got these other phones and then I started paying for data. But then we started getting this, this capacity to talk to one another. And it was faster because we're Southerners. See, as Southerners, you know if you call somebody, it's going to take some time. See, text messages real fast. But if you call somebody, you live in the South, you got to find out how their mama's doing. you got to find out what, how their team was doing. You have to make fun of the other person if you're a guy talking to them. You have to. It's a rule. And then you got to find out what you're talking about, talk about it, and then you have to do the same thing in reverse all the way through. It can take an hour. Text messaging is fast. W-Y-D. Meet you there. What are you doing? Meet you there. What? All those great things. So, guess what? I pay a ton of money for phones and data. Anybody else in the room? Yeah, because we've decided this is worth the product. It makes sense. There are people who look at Christianity the way I used to phone. It's a scam. Trying to get our money. They're just trying to take advantage of us. They're trying to give us something we don't really need. Christianity is true. It's real. It's powerful. But here's what our world is wondering. What does it do? And here's what we have to do. We have to make up for lost ground. We have to show the world that it does great good. See, they don't care what we know until they know how much we care. The way the, way the Bible says it in First uh, John, uh, talking to the church, he said, Little children, let us not love in word or talk. And so, so much of Christianity is word and talk. It's about saying the right words, using the right theology, having the right scripture. It's all about words, but that's not what Christ called us to. He said, no, no, but in deed and in truth, it's about what we do. It's not just an idea, it's a way of life. We must do good, and that's what our text challenges us with today. you got your Bible, and I hope that you do. Take it out and go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 15, and we have this Emma going to read for us, so let's all stand together, let's join her on our feet, and let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'm sorry, not Timothy, Thessalonians. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I've missed it. Got to go backwards. I had it marked earlier. Sweet girl was waiting. She had this figured out. There we are. 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Emma, read that for us. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Emma. Well done. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about this. We're called to do good. But the good that we're called to do is a gospel good, which is radically different than a worldly good. Now, I'm not one of those people that believes that, that non-believers can't do good. I believe that we've all been made in this God, and there is good that we can do, but we have to understand that there is a big difference. So write it down. Gospel goodness is not like the world's goodness. Both are good, but they're radically different. Understand, the world's goodness is conditional. It's conditional. The world's goodness says, I'll do good so long as it makes me feel good. I'll do good so long as I get something out of it. Hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll do, I'll do good as long as you do good back for me. And it's always troubling to me when, when the church takes on that worldly way. So sometimes we offer things and we offer service opportunities and, and, and people talk about it and they say, well, I didn't really like that. It didn't really make me feel good. Oh, good thing it was about you because that's the most important, right? Sometimes we get confused in the worldly good and gospel good. See, 
the, the worldly good says, do I like it? Does it make me look good? Does it make me feel good? Do, do, do I get to, with my company, because I'm doing this good, can I put it on a t-shirt again so, so I can look philanthropic? So long as it, I get good to me, I'll do it. That's not the way of the gospel good. The other thing you have to understand with, the, with worldly good is limited. It's limited in power. It's limited in purpose. It's, it's, it's also it's limited in potency because, listen, you can only give what you've got. And if your love is if your love is human love, there's a limit to it. If your strength is human strength, it's limited. So you've got in worldly good, and there is worldly good. It's, 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 it's conditional, it's limited, and it's contaminated. Everything we do is contaminated with sin because that's in our nature. That's how we're born. We're born with a propensity for sin. And so even the good we do has motives, it has ideas, it has things in it that are not pure as the Father is. And so there is there is a difference between worldly good and gospel's good. See, gospel good is unconditional. It's, it's the same kind of good, it's the same kind of love that the Father gives. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. You see that? It's not just the good. It's the evil and the good that, that he makes the sun rise on. He sends rain on the just and the ju- unjust. It's not just the ones that give him the praise. It's not just those who honor him. It's everyone. It is It is this common grace that God gives. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. You got to understand, if you greet only your brothers, what, what more are you doing than others? Do, do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's only one way we can do good perfectly, and that is in Christ Jesus. It's only in the gospel. It's, it's a good that says, listen, I know you can't pay me back. I know I don't get any praise out of this. I don't know. I know it doesn't make me comfortable. I, I know I'm doing good because God has done good to me, and I'm doing it the way the Father did it unconditionally. But it is costly. Our our good that we do, this gospel goodness, is, it, it, is, it is very much like the, the, the son's sacrificial grace. The son has given great sacrifice in order for the good to be done. And God calls us to make sacrifices. That's why we received the gift for Christ. And it's so exciting to see how much has been given and how many people are praying about going. You know, there was a time in the early church when the uh, church of Jerusalem was going through a famine. And so the Apostle Paul actually started taking up a special offering, very much like our gift for Christ. And, and he wanted to take that offering from Corinth and the other churches to take it back to them. But I love what he says in verse 11 about that offering about what he said it would do. Look what he said. He said, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So God will get the praise. God has provided through you. He's going to bring bring those offerings and provision, and it's going to bring glory and thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. So it doesn't just impact the church, but look, but it also is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. It wasn't just the believers who were blessed. It was the unbelievers created relationships that didn't exist before. So now there were people who were saying, who is this Jesus? What is this about? You're taking up an offering for the for the one that you said was crucified and raised, and they're sending us that money from Corinth? A bunch of Gentiles are, are doing this for us? 
You know what? When we give the gift for Christ, and when we send people and dollars all over the world, can I tell me how many times people say, wait a minute, where are y'all from? What is a bowling green, right? <laughs> they don't get it. And it's, it, it, it's, it's strange. Why would we do this? Because of what Jesus did for us. Because he gave so much. Because he left the comforts of his world to come to ours. Why do we give? Why do we go? Because of what Jesus has done for us. And, and what does it produce in verse 15? Well, it produces gratefulness. So here we are in, in this Thanksgiving season. It's thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. He's gifted us so that we can gift others. And we do that again in the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, where does that blessing come from but from God? But who gets the blessing? Everyone. I mean, you think about this gospel goodness, how it's like the Spirit and the fruit of grace. It changes us. It impacts others. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22-23. Who gets this blessing? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle, self-control against such things there is no law. Who gets this blessing? I'm going to tell you, when I live a Spirit-filled life, it is a blessing to be this person. It is a blessing to my family, to my friends, to my church, to my community. See, this blessing of the gospel is meant to come from God to us, to one another, and then beyond. Catch the flow of this, okay? There's not a place where it stops. It flows. Write this down. Gospel goodness flows inward to the church and then outward into the world. So, So you look at the last part of verse 15. Always seek to do good to one another. Who's the one another? It's the church. It's the saints. And so what's supposed to happen is God's goodness in the gospel is to come into our individual lives. And then we are to love one another and serve one another and to do good to one another the way God has been good to us. But it doesn't stop there. It's to, it's to one another. And then look at this. You might even underline this. And to everyone. It comes from God into into me, into you, and then to one another, and then it pours out into the life of the church. The flow is from God to me, to one another, to you, to the rest of the world. Friends, when we're talking about living hopeful and being helpful, we're not talking about building enough willpower to dare to put a smile on your face, to act like you're happy a few minutes on Sunday and maybe on Monday, but by Tuesday it's gone, but at least you tried, right? No. Living hopeful is trusting in what Christ has done to the glory of the Father and the power of the Spirit, and then sharing it with one another in worship and in praise and in small group, and then pouring that out to our family members, to our friends, to our neighbors, the people we work with and go to school with, who are everyone else who doesn't know the Lord. See, there's a reason why I love our deacons so much. See, this week they've been busy breaking the leaves of our widows and, and some of our ladies in need. And, 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 and one of our men who's sick, he can't, can't do yard work right now. That good is being done to one another. And, and more than that, think about how just a few weeks ago we, we had folks who were here multiple different faith systems. We had those who were Jewish, we had those from Islam, we had those from Hindu, we had atheists, we had agnostics, we had all kinds of folks here. And you know what? They couldn't believe. You know what? To a person, I would ask them, how was it? What was their experience? They could not believe how kind and welcoming the church was. 
there was a love here as God gave it to us. We were sharing it to one another and to everyone. And that love, it's manifest oftentimes even in how we choose to forgive one another. There's a situation right now in our church between some folks who really care for each other, but they're really upset with each other. And, and you know what they've decided to do? They've decided, you know what, we're just going to forgive each other. I'm wrong, you're wrong, it's a little bit wrong. You know what? Let's hug it out. And they did, and they're done with it. Because of the grace that's been given to them in Christ Jesus, they can now give it to one another. Now think about what they can do at work. Now think about what they can do with their, you know, if they went to school. Think about if they, and their other relationships. That's the way it's supposed to work. But, but, but let me pause here. Let me say something real, be real clear on this. It is not enough that we do good. We must do good because the world is watching. They have serious doubts. They, they question if, if we really care, if there's really something to this. We have to do good to earn the right to be able to speak. But we must share the reason why we do good. Otherwise, it's just confusing. We actually have to share that the reason why we're doing good is because of the good that God has done us. We understand that, that doing good is not enough. I studied Francis of Assisi uh, doing my doctoral work, and he's famous for this quote, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. That is ridiculous. That is like saying, feed the hungry and if necessary, use food. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Preaching the gospel is words. Preaching by its very nature is oral. We speak. Yes, we have to do good, but we have to do good and share why. Justin, um, Pastor Justin over at Redeemers, uh, our campus pastor over there, he gets fired up about stuff that makes me laugh. Thanks because he's redheaded, but he gets fired up about stuff. Some of you who are married to redheads, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And they get fired up about stuff. And, and he got fired up the other day. I'm like, this reminds me, I'll tell you what happened. We were on this fishing trip, and, 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 and we were doing it. There was people's houses wiped out. We went, and we fixed somebody's house, and that night we had dinner together. And this lady, I know what she was trying to say, but it was dead wrong. But she said, we really preached the gospel to them today. And he said, did you get to talk to someone? She said, no, no, just by our actions, we preached the gospel. And he said, as best I could, no ma'am. No ma'am. We did not preach the gospel. We did good. But we did not preach the gospel. Preaching the gospel is telling people what God has done through Jesus Christ. Doing good will never fix what ails the soul and the situation of our secular society. It requires the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't tell people why, you're going to confuse them. I'm going to tell you, it's very confusing. Let me just go ahead and say this. It's very confusing when people use bad language and are mean and then tell people that they're Christians. That's very confusing. And so, just know that's not a good way to do it. It's kind of like the lady who was at Walmart last year and, you know, she's gotten everything checked out. She's getting ready to leave. And the sweet little girl says, well, happy holidays. And, and the lady just stopped at her tracks. She turned around and said, you mean Merry Christmas, it's not a holiday. It's Christmas. I'm a Christian, thank you, and you remember it. And off she went. 
I thought, well, that's helpful and hopeful. You know, it's almost like spend 30 minutes like, hey, you know, that's wrong, wrong. That doesn't help. That's confusing. Let me tell you what else is also confusing them. It's doing good and not explaining why. Let me tell you a story. So this guy, he was a factory worker. And he had friends that they worked with who were believers who'd been sharing Jesus with him. But he wouldn't accept Christ. And he started going to church. Kids loved it. Wife loved it. They were Christians. He wasn't yet a believer, but he was going. He came under deep conviction and finally, finally gave his life to Christ. But he knew he was going to have to go back to work and he was going to have to tell what God had done in his life through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was so nervous about telling his supervisor. See, one of the main reasons why he didn't become a believer is because of his supervisor. So he went to work. Some of his friends were already there. They were excited for him. He was, he was headed to go tell his supervisor. He saw a supervisor coming at him. He thought, oh, no, somebody's already told him. The supervisor comes and put his arms around him and hugged him. He said, I am so excited. I heard that you became a follower of Jesus. I've been praying that you would be saved. And the guy looked at him with complete shock. He said, you're a Christian? He said, yes. He said, you never told me. He said, one of the reasons why I didn't become a Christian is because of you. He said, what do you mean? He said, I've always been kind to all the folks. I've always sought to be a good leader like Jesus. I've always tried to do all the good that I could. He said, I know. I know you did. He said, the reason why I didn't become a Christian is because I thought, hey, he doesn't need Jesus to be good. He doesn't need Jesus to be a great leader. He doesn't need Jesus to be able to, 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 be able to make a difference in the world. I, I don't need to be like Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I can do this on my own. He said, I watched you do it. I never knew you did it because of Jesus. You never told me. How many people are watching some of you who do so much good, but they're confused and they don't, they don't think they need Jesus because they don't ever hear you talk about Jesus. So, so they think you're just a really good person to be a good person. And they don't know that it's Christ in you because you've never told them. But they, some of you sitting right here, you are some of the most confusing Christians on the planet. Some of you are confusing because you're mean. And you're judgmental. To be a Christian, and you're not kind, and it makes no sense. Others of you are confusing because you do so many good, kind, wonderful things, but you never tell people about Jesus. And so they don't think they need Jesus because you don't ever talk about Jesus. Friends, we gotta stop being so confusing. We need to be real clear about this. We need to be real clear that we're sinners saved by grace and some of us are still struggling with attitudes and issues that are long time standing. We need to apologize and say, look, I'm trying to be like Jesus. But by the way, Jesus saved even somebody as crazy as me and as mean as me. He can save you too. And others of you who are so kind have such good families and marriages and, and do so much good. You gotta quit confusing your neighbors and your kids and your friends and the people you work with and go to school. And you gotta tell them the truth. You do good because of the good that's been done to you through the Father, by the Son, and the 
power of the Holy Spirit. You got to do good and tell people why. Now I know that's going to take some courage because you're going to have to get out and you're going to have to say something. I know that's terrifying. So I'm not a loud person. We'll just whisper. Jesus died for your sins and He'll forgive you of everything. That's great. Some of you are obnoxious like me. You know, you, let me tell you what Jesus died. Whatever personality God's given you, but here's what you got to know. We need the Holy Spirit to do the work through us. Some of you are not saved. You need Christ to be redeemed. Some of you are saved. You're confusing as all get out. You need to stop being mean. You need to repent of that, but you need to stop being confusing and tell people why you have so much love in your life. And then those that you know that need, some of you are going to be having meals with people you know that need Jesus. You need to pray for them. We need Jesus. They need Jesus. We all need Jesus. we got to talk about them. Stand with me as we pray. Father, we have just a minute. If uh, folks want to come to the front and pray, I know some need to. They just need to ask you to help them, strengthen them to, to share Jesus. Some need to repent of an attitude of, of kind of a of meanness or a lack of discipline with their language or their attitude. Others need to say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm seeking to do good, but I know I didn't. I need to tell what you've done on the cross and through the resurrection. And I need to be honest about the goodness that comes through your grace alone. Father, I know some today need to receive your grace and others need to pray for other needs, health needs, and all kinds of other challenges. Lord, we need you. And we acknowledge that right now. So would you meet with us as we sing of the of the reality of our need. Would you hear the prayers of your people? If you would, right there with your heads bowed, let's, let's sing together. You come and praise your need.